And it asks us with regard to the ninth commandment, what is God's will for us in the ninth commandment? God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone without a hearing or without a just cause. Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are devices the devil himself uses, and they would call down on me God's intense anger. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word this afternoon. Our Heavenly Father, your word is serious when it summons us to live and to consider our speaking. We know that often when our words are ungracious and unkind and unloving, untruthful and deceitful, that we grieve the Holy Spirit. We pray that your Spirit would be among us, that you would show us where we have deviated from your law, but also show us the way back through Jesus Christ, that you would help us to talk in a way which honors you, to bear a true witness for the glory of your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we consider the ninth commandment, we again see how how it covers every area of life. This is a commandment that deals with your coffee time conversations. It deals with your daily discussions that you may have in your home or at work. It deals with our texts, our tweets, our Snapchats, and our Instagrams. It deals with our words. We live in a world of global communication. That our words can easily be transmitted around the world. Words are everywhere. They're everywhere. And as we think about this commandment, the ninth commandment, sometimes we summarize this commandment simply, you shall not lie. And certainly it does cover lying. And lying is getting the facts wrong. It's presenting untruths as the truth or partial truths as the truth. And that is, that is an aspect of this commandment. But there's more to this commandment. And, and so we need to consider that which God is calling us to. You shall not bear false witness. Think of it this way. Your witness against your neighbor, let it never be false. Your witness against your neighbor, let it never be false. And here it's dealing particularly with our words, but there's more involved with it. It's our attitudes, it's our actions, it's our approach. And, and, but just speaking of our words, and in light of the, the, the daily uh, uh, use of words, the constant use of words that we are engaged in, remind, remember that, that God teaches us that we're going to have to give an account for every careless word that we speak. And this intensifies this commandment. At the, at the time of judgment, when Christ returns, we're going to have to give an account. And what will that account be? 
Will this be shown of us when we witness against our neighbor? Has it ever been false? You see, there's something unique here about our relationship with our neighbor. Words are woven into the fabric of our relationship together. When we're talking with others, we're not only communicating facts. We're using our words. We're using our eyes. We're using our faces, our expressions, to show love or hatred, to express gentleness or hostility, to show compassion and patience, or intolerance and exasperation. And God gives us this commandment to direct us to consider our communication with and about our neighbor. So that's what we're going to investigate this afternoon. What do you say? What do you say in terms of your witness? What do you say in terms of your model? What example do you follow? What do you say in terms of your calling? Those three aspects, your witness, your model, and your calling, as we evaluate our communication. First of all, your witness. Your witness against your neighbor, never let it be false. God knows. God knows how we will struggle with talking about our neighbor. He knows that our inclination will actually be against our neighbor. We love to find fault. There's no news that travels like bad news, is there? We love to find fault with our neighbor. And we need to be redeemed from our natural inclination. Our inclination to bring false testimony, to bear false witness against our neighbor. This is why Ephesians 4 verse 25 is so important because it states the reality of the condition which we are in by nature. Therefore, having put aside, put away falsehood. This is what Christ has redeemed you from. This is what Christ has saved you for. To put away falsehood. Laying that aside, it's a command for each one of you to be actively engaged in putting away falsehood. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members. Of, we have this connection together. We're members of one another. Now, how do we do this? Because there are, there are subtle ways that false witness leaps like fire from our lips. Ways that we are inclined to, to witness against our neighbors. How do we do that? The, the catechism sets forward some very vivid uh, descriptions. Give no false testimony against anyone. But it gets more intimate. We twist their words. We take them out of context. We disconnect the facts. We take sound bites and blurbs and we say, well, this is what they have said and this is what they mean. And we attribute evil motives to them. And if that's their inclination, well, I don't want a part of it. We, we twist words to distort the meaning. How dangerous and deadly this is. 
not gossip or slander. That too is a, a witness against our neighbor. Slander is, is intentionally saying something false about an individual. Knowing that it's not true. And still saying that this is who they are. Or gossip. Much more insidious and deadly. It is to say something true or questionable in a hurtful way. You see, we often think of gossip as, as the whispering of untruths about people. That's not gossip. That's slander. Gossip is, is using the truth in a way that's hurtful. In a way that attacks. In a way that demeans. In a way that elevates me and demeans the other. It's not something that builds up. Gossip is, is forming conclusions based on hearsay. And transmitting those conclusions as if it's, dare we say it, gospel fact. That's not gospel fact. That's not the way God deals with us. How dangerous our witness can be. Twisting words, gossip, slander. Or join in condemning anyone without a hearing or just cause. In condemning them. And saying they're despicable, despised. Unworthy. Of the name that they have. Do you see yourself in these descriptions? Do you think of those conversations, those communications, those discussions you've had? This commandment is not get the facts right and you're above reproach. It's your neighbor, your witness about them, your witness to them. Let it never be false. Consider that. What is your witness? Are you bearing witness to God when you speak to and you speak about your neighbor? That your desire and delight, as, as Ephesians 4 calls us to, rather, rather than these deceitful schemes, rather than the craftiness of the evil one, rather than a false witness, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head. That's not Christ-like to bear false witness, to use a witness against my neighbor that twists their words, that uses gossip or slander, that joins in condemning them without a hearing. Those words that I speak are not a witness to Christ and how frequently that has been compromised. Speak the truth in love to grow up like Christ. So that when Peter is asked, after the disciples are abandoning Jesus because He gives that difficult teaching that He is the true bread from heaven, that His flesh is flesh food to eat, and His blood is, is 
wine to drink. And, and the disciples leave him because it's such a hard saying. And Jesus asks, do you want to leave too? And what does Peter say? Oh no, we don't. Because you alone have the words of truth. Is that the, the headship of Christ that we're striving to grow up into? That our witness would be a, a witness to the truth. A witness that flows from love. Speaking the truth in love. In a Christ-like love. What is the witness of, of our conversation? That, that according to Ephesians 4, verse 25, that my neighbor, he actually belongs to me. And I have a responsibility for him. But even more than that, that I have the opportunity, particularly as a Christian, to speak differently. Not with corrupting talk coming out of my mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion with this purpose, so that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you long to witness for the grace of Jesus Christ? Consider your conversations. That the goal of my words and the goal of my witness about my neighbor is not to tear them down, but to build them up. And to be selective, graciously selective, speaking those words which are only good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to the hearer. Witness. What is your witness in what you say? Because I belong to Christ, I need to examine. We need to examine the words we use and the way we use our words. That's our witness. Secondly, we need to consider our examples. What model does your witness follow? There's two models, and you're going to follow one or the other. There's the devil's schemes. I should avoid lying to deceit of every kind because these are devices the devil himself uses, and they would draw, call down on me God's intense anger. The devil's schemes. Think of that, how, how easily they come. He was a liar from the beginning. He applauds the, the half-truth as a, as a means of deceiving. He says to Eve the blatant lie, you will not surely die. He counters the truth and he is completely destined to attack the truth. He denies the whole truth at every possibility. He has the gall and the boldness to go and promise Jesus all the kingdoms of the world which didn't belong to Him. He has this suggestion that, that in, in following His ways you can have it all, but it doesn't work. When it comes to the way you speak to and about your neighbor, what model are you following? Since the fall, this is what has enslaved us and encaptured our souls. This is what we need to be redeemed from. God says, gloriously, there is a different model. There is the model of Jesus Christ. There is Christ's way. 
as we grow up in every way into Him who is our head, that we would reflect His work, His Word, His approach, His way of witnessing to those around us. What is this way of Christ? It's what Peter talks about in in 1 Peter 3. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God. We're called to follow Him and to follow His model. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. What did He do? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in His mouth. He bore a true witness. When He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. What model do you follow? A unity of mind? A sympathy for your neighbor? For your brother and sister in the Lord? Or your neighbor who lives next to you? A tender heart? In a humble mind, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. Why? For to this you were called. Called by whom? Called by Christ. Shown His example. Receiving that example. That though we deserve complete condemnation, He makes known His grace and His truth to us who are enemies. Will you do that to your neighbor who doesn't deserve it? Will you guide and guard your conversations and the way you witness about your neighbor because of the work and the model of Jesus Christ? That's what the second table of the law is all about. A way to learn to communicate the love of Christ and to trust Him in our relationship with our neighbor. We need the Spirit to grow up into this model. If we don't get this right, we grieve the Spirit and we will not grow and we will not flourish in the way of Christ and the certainty of His grace and the confidence of His care. What model? Thirdly, what calling? Your calling according to Christ, is what's stated positively here, do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Guard and advance. To do whatever I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. That means some conversations just have to stop. And you have to say, I cannot carry on like this. Say it to yourself, and sometimes say it to others. How often we err with our calling here because the pride of heart loves to hear those juicy tidbits. Because I look at my neighbor as someone inferior, and whatever bolsters me makes me feel good. 
Think about Jude 9, Jude verse 9, where it talks about Michael. Michael the archangel. Michael the one who is at the, in the very throne room of God. Michael the archangel who, who has all the authority and power and the, the ministry of God that has been given to him from the time he was created unto eternity. Even when, Jude 9 tells us, even when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. He wouldn't use his words to pronounce a railing judgment, but said instead, The Lord rebuke you. How our witness is compromised when we think it's up to us to express that judgment, when actually it's the Lord's judgment. When we talk to and about our neighbor, do we regard them as an image bearer? who being an image bearer has a good name and that needs to be guarded and advanced by me? Does our respect for God extend to them? We need to consider how our conversations and communications bear a witness. Our calling in our conversations is that we'll have to deal with other people. And we'll have to deal with one another's sins, invariably. Are you striving in dealing with your neighbor's sins and shortcomings? To bring grace, the work of Christ, with your words. To show love and truth in the way we speak to sinners. When the Word calls us, when the commandment calls us, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That notion of against is in the, the context of a, a conflict. And it says your witness against your neighbor. Let it never be false. False to whom? False to them to be sure. But what about false to God? False to God in the sense that we know, it's been revealed to us, we've just heard it this morning, that God in His grace, with His love and mercy in Christ Jesus, is able to overcome the worst sins. Is our witness to God true? Will we represent accurately what they have said, what they have done, so that we have an opportunity to administer the truth of God's Word, that there is hope for those who are ensnared in their sins. There's help for them in the work of Jesus Christ. And of that witness, we are called to communicate. So that we will strive to understand them and come alongside of them. So that we can bring the glory of grace to bear in their lives. And will your conversations in this way 
be upbuilding. As we interject words and communication that are flavored with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What do you say? What is your witness against your neighbor? Who is your model in your communication? What is your calling from God in what you say? Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly 